I'm Janine, and this is Outside the Box. Standing by to join us is Melanie Spring. She's a brand storyteller, international keynote speaker, and speaker trainer with a drive to make sure you become unforgettable. And from what I gather, she's an absolute badass, so I'm very excited <laughs> to have her on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You and I had chatted, and... I know, for instance, public speaking was never my forte, especially in high school. I remember trembling, trembling, getting up with a piece of paper and having to read something and shaking. And my friends looking at me going, who is that? Because, you know, something happens. What is that that goes on with us? Well, most of it has to do with the fact that we think it's about us. And most of us have to think, or we're thinking, okay, so this person that's listening to me, whether it's one person or thousands of people, they're judging me and every move that I make and everything that I say. Yes. And when we think about ourselves, we're, we start getting nervous because we're like, well, what will they think about me? And will they like what I have to say? Will they think that I'm an imposter? Will they, like, there's so many things running through our heads. But as soon as we start thinking about the fact that we have a message to share and we have to share that message and we can't not share that message, that changes that fear into excitement. And we can feel the same way. We can tremble and be just as like, this is a lot, but it can be excitement instead of fear. That's true. You know, I have to say, I'll share this little story with you. I grew up in New York City and I remember being in third grade and I was elected to be class president. And I thought, this is amazing because I was pretty introverted. And getting up and thanking everybody and my friends pointing to me, pointing and realizing my fly was down, turning around, <laughs> zipping up my fly. <laughs> so I think we take these childhood nightmares that we blow out of proportion into high school, into adulthood. And we just think, oh, I'm just going to fail, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that fear of failure is the thing that causes us not to say what we need to say, or the fear that someone won't like it, or the fear that someone is like, oh, that's too much for me, or you're too much for me, or you're not enough for me. We take all of those things with us into our public speaking, but we are public speaking on a daily basis. I mean, you and I are doing it right now. We're being public speakers, even though it's yes. not a stage, we're still doing it. So when we put a, a label on it and say, I'm a speaker, or I have to be a speaker, we turn into robots and get weird and like really hold on to podiums and like say things we would never say in regular everyday life. Yes. And that's actually my whole goal is to help people not do that. <laughs> not take all that trauma and worry. <laughs> I, I feel like I was a late bloomer with public speaking because until I realized that I could just be myself and that the people that were listening were cheering me on, mm. it took me a long time to get to that place. Yeah, they are. And they're cheering you on because they want you to be really successful, even if they, you don't know any of them. They're all sitting there hoping that you're not going to bore them to death for an hour. <laughs> they're all hoping yes. you're going to give them something really great. So they're actually your cheerleaders as much as they look scary to you when you first get up there. So having some tips and tricks for like making sure that you know your audience ahead of time, even if you've never met them before, like getting there early and going and shaking people's hands ahead of time and saying, hi, I'm the speaker. I'm so excited to meet you. What are you hoping to get out of today? That kind of stuff really helps you get out of your mindset of like, oh, I have to be the best things in sliced bread. You can actually engage with the audience ahead of time, which helps right. a lot. And people can tell if you're talking at them and you're not relatable. That's the yeah. worst. <laughs> it is. No? When you get like so in your own head that you're like, I'm just going to teach you all the things because I'm the smartest and people are just like, I'm tuning out now because I can't listen to this kind of thing. It's like exactly. a teacher who 
just talks at you instead of actually having a conversation with you. I feel like what people, what really resonates with you and what you do is that you're very relatable and that you give people the confidence to be more successful and grow as a person and kind of get over that negative self-talk. Yeah. Yeah. My whole goal is to help people amplify their voices. So that means to me that I want them to be able to go bigger and take who they are and amplify it, not change it, not fix it. No one's broken. We're not, we don't need fixing, but be able to take who we are and go, how can I go bigger with it? How can I share it in a bigger way to more people or even just one-on-one and how can I be more myself? And a lot of people are like, oh, just be yourself. And I'm like, do you have any idea how many people shouldn't just be themselves (laughs) doing the work ahead of time to know who you are and how you can show up is the only way to do that. Right. Do you feel that, because I know for me, I've never done so many zoom podcasts, you know, video casts. Do you feel like people are concerned that once this is over and we go back face to face, they're going to be nervous to be in the room? I feel like we're all going to be a little nervous because, I mean, even if you watch movies now, you see someone hug another person or touch another person, you're like, oh, okay, you're allowed to do that. I think we're going to be nervous that way. But I feel like we're so craving that human connection that we don't get just looking at each other on a screen that, yes, I'd rather have someone actually shake my hand than not ever be able to touch another person. And that's, it's hard. We're gonna, it's going to take a while to get over that. But at the same time, I think we're all learning better public speaking skills by being on things like this. Yes. Because if you could do this, a stage is going to be cake. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Tell me, uh, give me a backstory about how you got to where you are now. What, what were you doing before you were doing this? I was a brand strategist for 20 years. I actually went to college for communications and then went into companies with marketing and branding and communications and helped them understand who they were and how they showed up as a company from their human perspective. Like who are all the humans you're hiring? Do they fit your brand? Do you have the right core values? Do you have the right logo and the right marketing materials, the right brand voice, all of that. Right. And I got to do that for a long time and loved it until I realized that I built myself a job. <laughs> and so after I got into public speaking, I, my, I actually went to Bali, super short story, but I went to Bali, came home, And asked my team, which they had been asking me for months, like, Melanie, what would you do if you didn't have to pay us? And I was like, I would be a full-time public speaker. And they're like, well, why don't you do that? I'm like, that's not a thing. People can't do that. You can't make a living on public speaking. And then I started making a living on public speaking. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. Like, how do I keep doing more of this? So that's how I ended up doing it. Oh, I love it so much. (laughs) And more than most people. I mean, most people are not going to say, oh, I want to be a public speaker. I mean... Nope. (laughs) No, I love doing it. And I love teaching other people how to do it. Like I always wanted to be a teacher as a kid. I was always like, I want to be a music teacher. Then I wanted to be an English teacher. And I went to college to be an English professor and realized two and a half years in that I would never be a good professor. (laughs) So I switched to communications and realized that I love, I still love teaching since I was a kid. I love teaching. And now I get to teach speakers how to do what I learned the hard way to do in an easier way. And I don't want people to struggle as hard as I did because I'm same introvert and totally did not want to like you an introvert. You wouldn't think so. No extrovert. (laughs) 
Wow. Mm-hmm. That's so my husband will tell you that's so true. He's like, yeah, she'd rather not leave the house ever. <laughs> so what was, what was the shift? What helped you kind of switch over or be a blend of introvert, extrovert, and then have this, you know, new side to you? Well, it's not a new side. My mom has been training me since I was a kid to be an extrovert and I've been fighting it. it. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm fighting it really hard. But at the same time, I was really glad that she did. She didn't know that there were differences between humans that way Mm -hmm. until much later in life. So I'm glad she did push me outside of my comfort zone and make me have to go talk to people and like say hi to people and greet people at her retail store and stuff like that. But as I got older, I realized that I just have to protect my energy. And I can be super outgoing. That's not like introverts aren't not outgoing, but if we can be, we need to like take a lot more time to recharge our energy and yes. like get ready. And I get zapped. I do like a full day of training or a day of travel speaking and then more travel the next day. And I am toast for like two days after that. You need to so hibernate. You kind of need I to do. hibernate and self-care and mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. But I think that right now we're all struggling with that same problem of we're all on video calls all the time where before I was like, okay, I have the quiet time from my house to the airport, quiet time from the airport over to the next airport, quiet time from the airport to the speaking. Like I didn't have a lot of conversations in that time. And now I'm on Zoom all the time and I'm realizing how much I don't recharge my energy and I'm exhausted by the end of a week or the end of a Monday even. Yes. So taking some time to really think I need more of what in order to make sure that I can keep my energy right. going. Right. You know, I actually have learned to structure my week. So Fridays are light and I have breaks because I had a day where I had five or six Zoom interviews, these long conversations, and it was too much. And I had to just yeah. go outside and mow the lawn and take a walk. <laughs> and right. I, I needed to just disconnect. It was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I shaved my dog when I got home from work last night. <laughs> Your poor dog. <laughs> I mean, he needs it every three or four months, but he's yeah. tiny now. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me um, a little bit about some of the messages you would convey to people right now that they want to do more on Zoom. They want to do more public speaking and they've had, they have to pivot right now, but they don't know how. Well, I mean, a lot of people have really started doing it, but I haven't seen a lot of people doing it well, which is the biggest problem. Mm -hmm. And when this whole started, this whole thing started, I took all of my public speaker training and created a thing called how to not be weird on Zoom, which was like how to have great video calls and webinars and trainings and stuff like that. Right. And that was really helpful for me to put that together and remind people that you can use public speaking training in your everyday conversations, not just public speaking. You can actually like start a meeting really well and make sure that the team is actually going through that meeting really well. So I did that when I first started, but one of the, some of the biggest stuff I've been talking about lately is leadership with your teams. And especially since we all don't have the water coolers to talk around and we don't have the random connections in the hallway. And most people will say that some of their best friends are from their jobs, but when we can find a way as leaders to have great calls to be able to get them to go, okay, how do I want my team to feel when we're done with this call? Or how do I want my audience to feel when I'm done with this webinar? Whatever it is that you're sharing on Zoom. And also to find out what makes them tick. Like what keeps you motivated? What keeps them motivated? What makes you tick? What keeps them ticking? To know those things about your team and the people you're around all the time, especially on Zoom, it'll help keep the morale higher, which is 
oh, most people are like, oh, how do I get my team to do stuff? And I was like, then you have to be the leader to get your team to do stuff. It has nothing to do with your team. It's all you. Yes. I think people really have to be much more creative right now because we have this box. There's no physical interaction. And it's how can you make people feel comfortable, interested, focused, and want to listen and engage? It's hard to do that. And it's hard to do that in a way like I would do a lot of speaking to meeting planners. So meeting planners are a big industry and they have lots of conferences for their state or for their local places or even internationally. And one of the things that I was cracking up is the meeting planners are the worst at planning their own meetings. And I'm like, you guys are really good at planning other people's meetings, but your own, this is a mess. Like, what are you doing? And one of the big things I did the other day, I spoke to Wisconsin MPI about this and they were all blown away by the fact that I looked at them at the end of the call and I said, So I'm going to reflect to you what I'm seeing in this industry that's causing speakers and people like me who I can handle it. Like I've been doing this for years, so it's old hat at this point, but most speakers are not comfortable talking to an empty room. Right. That would be like you and I, Janine, sitting here and you're like, I'm turning off my video, but I'm going to talk to you and ask you questions and you're going to have to go on and on. And I'm like, how am I supposed to engage with this? Like how do... Do I, do I look like I have good energy? <laughs> like it's that kind of thing. Like how do you feed off the energy of the audience if you can't see the audience or yes. hear them? So yes. being able to give them like everyone stay on video if you can and everyone look like you actually care when you're on video. Don't take notes off to the side the whole time. Like stay engaged, yes. be a part of the conversation and then give them ways to applaud. One of my favorite things lately is I've taught all of my speakers how to like applaud like this. Oh, I like, I'm like that. because we can all see it. So it's a yes. really great way to do that because this you can't see or right. like if you're excited about something, you can't do anything unless you're sharing like this. And I started doing it in real life. Like my husband said something the other day and he was just like, oh, that's really exciting. I'm like, I know it's so exciting. It's like, <laughs> it's like you're doing that thing again. <laughs> everyday life kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it's giving your audience a way to interact with you. And I think that's even your team, if you're thinking about your team, I want you to think about how can you get your team to have the rules of engagement? Are they allowed to just unmute and say something or do they have to raise their hand in the little button or should they put a note in the comments to like, I'm going to, I really want to share something. So just depends on like how you want to do it, but you can make the rules yourself and start from scratch now so that people don't have to hope that they know the rules later. I, I went and grabbed my phone because I was thinking I've been on, I've been leading talks about self-care and resilience. And a lot of times either the camera's off, not all the time, but sometimes their camera's off or if they are on, they're like this. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's terrible. I'm like, this is for you people. <laughs> yeah. Or they're sitting back like this and they're like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Crazy. Ridiculous. Do you, um, work with kids at all that are nervous public speaking? Yeah, we've actually had a couple of people come to the retreat that were, um, we had like a, a woman bring one of her daughters with her. And um, I think most of them, if we catch them younger, it helps them have a lot more confidence to be able to say what they need to say later. And right, right now I think is the best time to do that because so many kids are finally starting to speak up about bullying, about racial inequality, about like sexual inequality. I mean, there's so many things happening right now that kids need to have a voice and to be able to share this stuff. So I love working with kids because they're so much more moldable. I'm like, okay, try this. And they're like, yes. So they'll actually do it and get outside their like normal adult comfort zone instead of trying to be stuck in the little box that we've all put ourselves in. I agree. And I think when you throw things at them like games, you know, things that are interactive, that are fun, 
it just keeps them really engaged and give them the confidence that they can do this. Exactly. Yeah. Especially when you get them younger and they don't have that confidence or they've had some traumatic situations that have happened. I mean, all of us have had that when we were younger and most of us don't even realize it's happening until we're much older. We don't realize why we became that person. Like we were talking about introvert, extrovert. I had no idea that I was an introverted kid being raised by an extroverted mom until so many, like in my (laughs) thirties. Wow. Amazing. So let me ask you a personal question. You can choose not to answer. Your tattoos, <laughs> your tattoos are so cool and so creative. Is oh, that thank you. Yeah, I didn't start getting tattoos until I was 32. I, and I tell people, I'm like, wait until you're in your 30s before you get any tattoos because <laughs> there's a big difference between your 20s and your 30s and what you think is really cool versus what is, what is really cool later. Um, yeah, most of my tattoos have been words, though. I didn't start getting images until much later. So I have things like live grace and inspire hope and all good things are wild and free and joy. And then I have um, fire on the back of my arm along with lion. This is my, this is my lion. Yep, he's my Love spirit it. animal. And then I have a, an enso with a broken compass on my shoulder. So it's the, the mark that they leave. The journey is unfinished. So I Love it. Feels yeah, very empowering to to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my mom's favorite though is this one. It says, "This too shall pass," and I did it because I was like, "Someday I want to be the old lady who's like, and it did." <laughs> <laughs> my I'm grandmother having, like the flaps. Exactly, <laughs> like I'm gonna like wave it at people <laughs> while you're driving your Harley. <laughs> exactly, I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, baby." <laughs> Amazing. Did you, could you ever imagine yourself going back and becoming a teacher in school? No, no, no. I think, I think one of the biggest things that I love about being hired by companies and schools and colleges and like anywhere that will like, let me share this stuff Mm -hmm. is that I get to teach in a way that I get to teach. And I don't think the bureaucracy fits me very well. I've gotten more trouble in my corporate career than in my high school years combined. (laughs) And I realized that I'm just not good at following the rules. I typically like to learn the rules so I can break them. And I think me being a teacher, I'd be like, no, I can't do this anymore. It's like being on the board of an HOA. You're like, yeah, no, thanks. (laughs) Is this what you were like as a student? No, no. Interesting. I was so like, stay in the box, do the thing they say. Like I wasn't a great student because I was like, I was a B student. Like I, that's a great student to me, but like I was a B student because I didn't learn the way that other people learned. I could write anything. If you were like, here, I'm going to teach you something. Now I want you to write an essay about it. I'd be like, sweet. But then they were like, here's multiple choice. And I'm like, "Hmm, I can't do this. (laughs) Really? I was not a good student. I, I had to later learn how I best learn things Mm -hmm. because, you know, it was, and my daughter's struggling with this too, with online learning, a teacher will just give them a textbook and there's no scheduled class. Right. And so I'm like, wait a minute, but you're studying astronomy. They don't have anything. You're going outside. No, nothing. Zero. You're going to read a book about it. I'm just going to read a book. So no. I have such a hard time with that because growing up, that's what it was. Look at a book, you know, crazy. So tell me, that's really crazy. Like I don't, that's, that's the way that I can't learn. It's like my dad, my dad was the type of person who he didn't finish. I think he finally got his GED, like when he was in his thirties, maybe late twenties or something, but he didn't finish past eighth grade and he's a genius. Like he's a total genius. He's one of those people who he'll learn about something and then dive so deep into it that he will learn everything. Like he takes people on tours at museums 
he'll take the tour guide on a tour of the museum and tell him more than that tour guide would ever know about it because he learns that much about the things he loves. And I think learning from him as a kid, he would take us places and show us things and do things with us. And that's how he would teach us instead of here, read this book. And he reads, he reads voraciously. So he has tons of knowledge from books as well, but he takes it and applies it right away and goes, okay, now what do I do with it? So yeah, I learned astronomy from him actually. You're so fortunate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let me ask you about what you're currently doing. And if people want to contact you, you know, they're watching this and thinking, you know, I really could use some help with public speaking and getting outside of my shell. You know, how can they contact you and what kind of things are you offering? Oh man, we're, we just launched a new thing again today, which I'm excited about. But first of all, the first thing I would say is try the 90 day challenge. We have a speak with confidence 90 day challenge that because of COVID, I used to charge $2,000 for this and like give people tons and tons of resources. And now we're charging 97 bucks for it because we were like, well, the more people who can get this, the more people who can go out and speak. And our job is to amplify voices. So why not do it? And it's um, a 90 day course with a workbook and a plan and accountability and eight calls, like all this amazing stuff. It's just so much fun to do. So that's um, at ispeakwithconfidence.com slash 90 days. And then we just today launched the replays for the Set the Stage Summit, which I don't like to do things like other people. And I was posting about this today about how I had almost a meltdown one day because I was like, but everyone's doing virtual summits. Why would anyone want to come to mine? And then I was like, my crew basically said, Melanie, you don't do things like other people. And this summit is, it's a public speaking summit from the perspective of comedians, actors, and storytellers. Oh, I love that. So public speakers who aren't typically public speakers. Mm -hmm. And it's six hours of content. I just finished editing 20 videos and like all shorter, like break it all down so it was easier to handle. But people were in the actual summit live and you get to see the people who are in it interacting live and watching it again. It was four hours of the actual full summit and then two pre-summit sessions and editing those, I was like, how did, that was four hours? Are you sure? Like we were all like, Goodbye. you're sure it hasn't been 30 minutes? Like, how is this possible that we just sat for four hours and watched this? So I that's that. at setthestagesummit.com. So. And when is that? When, when does. It's up. It's, it's all up replayed. It's ever. all done. Great. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I'll I give you a add- code that you can share that you can give people, I think 50 bucks off to, oh, to, good. to do it. I wanted to add something. Cause I don't know if I told you this when we first spoke is one of the best things I did as a very insecure person um, was take acting classes. I took, mm-hmm. I took voice acting. And I think I shared with you that my first teacher, first class I went to for voice acting, uh, I was referred to the teacher by an older woman who's an actress at a Syracuse alumni lunch. I told her what I wanted to do. And she's like, sweetheart, call my teacher. Here's the number. And then you need to call me later and tell me that you called her. So I know you followed up. <laughs> and I did. But the first class, I remember the teacher, it was a huge group of people. And I was so nervous. Of course, I sat in the back of the room. And the teacher grabbed somebody out of the front who was also extremely nervous, whispered in her ear something. And the, te- and the girl said, I cannot do that. She's like, yes, you can. You'll be fine. Just do it. The woman proceeded to skip around the room reading a Clorox commercial and swearing every third or fourth word. And what happened was, especially for me, is there weren't, wasn't a sense of nervousness. It was laughter, joy. What am I so afraid of? And it was fantastic. So acting, improv, anything you can do to kind of stop overthinking mm-hmm. is wonderful. Wouldn't you say? Yep. 
Yeah, that's why we had comedians and storytellers and actors on there because I was like, I want to hear, I want you to see yourself in someone. So maybe you don't love every comedian or storyteller or actor that we had, but maybe one of them is just like, oh, I could take so much from that one person and parts and pieces from other people and start using it and start reflecting that back to the world. Yes. Just giving a little more permission to be more you. Yes. I think that is the gem of right now. I think that, you know, everybody has different feelings about what's going on. Obviously there's a lot of negative to the quarantine. Mm -hmm. However, there are some pluses to right now that you can have a moment of incredible personal growth Mm -hmm. And you can pivot and do something different and you can overcome your fear and your insecurities. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing for me is I'm, people keep asking me, they're like, what do you do? And I was like, I'm an international keynote speaker, typically. (laughs) Now I'm a tech, I'm a tech person who runs a tech company who runs challenges and summits, which I did not plan on doing, did not want to do. And I cried yesterday about it because I was like, I can't do all of these tech pieces. I'd rather be in real life hugging people and telling them they did a great job. But you have to, you have to do what's uncomfortable sometimes to really be able to get where you want to go. And right now this is what I have to do. So I'm I'm willing to do it. (laughs) You have a lot of skill sets. It sounds like, so I'm learning new ones every day. (laughs) Now I'm a video editor. Who knew? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, this is what we have to do. We have to pivot. You Mm -hmm. know, we do. Any last bit of advice for people that are feeling kind of down right now uh, to help them think outside the box? One of the biggest things I've learned in the last four months is that I have to have a habit and a schedule in place to be able to make sure that I don't get down in the dumps or grumpy or frustrated. And every time I go off that schedule, I get get way grumpy. (laughs) So one of the things that I started not too long ago, and this is not public speaking stuff, but this is totally kind of off topic, but still on topic. Um, I asked a bunch of friends at the end of August, I said, Hey guys, I really just need some habit training to get back on track with working out. And I need to work out every day for a month just to get myself back in the habit of going, I have to work out because I got to the point that I was working out once or twice a week instead of every day, which was a lot. So uh, I, I put this out to the Facebook universe and just asked the question. I'm like, I'm not training anyone. I just want some accountability. And 65 people said yes. Wow. So I put together a WhatsApp group and like just started, okay, all we're doing is posting. Like we're going to share our goal for the month. And then all we're going to do is post and set September on fire. And we're almost through the month. We're 23 days in. And I think I've worked out 19 of the 23 days so far. So I'm glad. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So it's just like being able to like ask for what you want, ask for the help that you need and be able Mm -hmm. to be willing to allow yourself not to be the expert at it but knowing that you can get the help that you need because accountability is everywhere. You just have to ask. I didn't know that many people needed the same thing. So I was like, sweet, let's do it. (laughs) You're not the only one. You're not feeling these feelings. I always tell people that, you know, there's so many feelings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Give your website one more time. MelanieSpring.com. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this and I'll stay connected. That sounds great. Thanks, Janine.